Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And, and this, this is, is Talking, Talking Lion. Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversations. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion. And throughout our career as songwriters and producers, we've had the opportunity to work with so many incredible rising artists. Talking Lion is about hitting record on the conversations we've had with our musical friends and collaborators to get a glimpse into what their life's been like and where it's going. A few reminders before we start. Firstly, we now have a Patreon for fans of the show to show their support and help keep the show going. As a Patreon subscriber, not only will you earn rewards, but you'll also gain exclusive access to a chat room in our Discord server. Here you can talk with us and even suggest questions for our guests. Go to patreon.com slash talkinglion to subscribe. We appreciate your support. As we mentioned, we also have a Discord server that's become a sort of community hub for Sleeping Lion and Talking Lion. We're very active on there and very eager to talk to you about who you are on the show, as well as just talking about life. So yeah, come through and you can talk with us. You can make some new friends, share your art, and share your memes. Go to sleepinglionmusic.com slash discord to join our server. We hope to see you there. Lastly, our face is on a shirt. We have shirts now for Talking Lion with our faces on them. If you want to wear us on your shirt, buy a shirt. It helps support the show and it shows your friends that you like Sleeping Lion and Talking Lion. You can find these shirts on our website, sleepinglionmusic.com slash store. Pro tip, Patreon supporters of the honorary lion tier or higher will get a free shirt. Now back to the show. We recorded this episode with our friend Griff Clausen. We first met Griff at a songwriter showcase hosted by our mutual friend Stolar. Following that, we would see him at some of the parties we hosted at our house, but during the pandemic, we lost touch. Only recently, I stumbled upon one of his songs and decided to get back in touch. We recorded this following the release of his single, Beautiful, and he's about to put out his next single called Haircut. A great songwriter who seamlessly transitioned into being an artist, Griff Clausen's a nice kid, and we're glad we got a chance to reconnect with him here. So, without further ado, I'm Griff Clausen, and this is Talking Lion. Oh, hey. <laughs> What's up? Hello. Welcome back to the house. <laughs> I, it's good to be back. It's been a solid minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we were trying to figure it out about maybe two years since we actually, you know, threw parties and had people over, you know? Right. I mean, you, you showed me the uh, the time travel TikTok and it feels a little bit like time travel. Yeah, <laughs> that's know, very true. Like, kind of close your eyes and you wake up and it's two years later. <laughs> and honestly, this whole year does feel like a weird kind of time machine, especially because like everybody is acting like the last year and a half didn't happen. Yeah, it like happened in the most intense way and also didn't happen in the most intense way, which is a very weird like <laughs> thing to think about every day. Almost feels uh <laughs> psychologically unhealthy. Like yeah. uh <laughs> permanently scarring. Like a like a way uh, we're not talking about anything. You know? Yeah, I think I'm I'm definitely opting more or leaning more on the side of ignoring it than looking at it. <laughs> I get like hit in bursts where I'll yeah. be like, you know, seeing folks or you know, out somewhere and then suddenly realize like, fuck, we did not do this for a year and a half. And I feel weird, you know? It's so weird. I mean, I I wonder, like, I definitely didn't or haven't done this research, but I'm curious, like, how it affected people in like 1918, the Spanish flu. Right. And like what the uh, decades long repercussions were following that kind of thing, you know? But I mean, BuzzFeed better get on it. We gotta- (laughs) BuzzFeed better get on it because I definitely will click on those articles. I click on them all the time. We accidentally wind up in the the vortex of the top five list. Number four will shock you. Uh (laughs) I read an article the other day about the the, like science and history of birthday cake flavoring. Because we were talking about it. Like the ice cream like flavor? 
not idea. just not the idea of birthday cake. Apart from the food science, I think the really interesting thing about it was that the sales of birthday cake flavoring went way up during the Trump presidency and way up during the pandemic because it's the thing that we seek out when we need comfort. Whoa. Right. That was the thesis of the article. This article was like 20 pages long. It was like everything you ever needed to know about birthday cake flavoring. And I'm like, these people who write these articles, they're doing God's work. That's crazy. I, I mean, f- I feel like yeah. with, stuff, with stuff like that, though, like like with the birthday cake thing, not that I know anything about it, but like I feel like you could also attribute that to like people celebrating at home and baking their own cakes because they have more time or this That's and true. that. Like, I feel like there's so many like things today where just a conclusion is drawn for you, you know? Right. Is well, there a correlation between birthday cake flavoring and sourdough starter? <laughs> no. Because I want I want that. I want that research. I'm going to throw down some money and fund that research. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Let's find out. Did you guys bake over a quarantine? Uh, no. No, I didn't really get into baking. Maybe like blondies at one point, but no. What, what was, was, yeah, what was the, what, what was, was the quarantine hobby? hobby? I mean, mine was 3D modeling for a Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did yeah. like, I did like blender stuff. That's I made cool. a donut. That's I, cool. I baked uh, in the 3D <laughs> rendering system. That's I guess, so I guess I made an album. I guess that counts as like a quarantine activity. Yeah. That's, that's, see, that's a flex. That's because, because you're a musician, <laughs> you can't hobby your way into an album, I think. Yeah, but uh, it sort of was. I mean, I just, I, but I didn't come up with a weird hobby. I just kind of was really depressed and didn't do anything. And then when I did do something, I made music. That's a hobby. Yeah. I got decent. And by decent, I mean pretty shitty, but decent for me at uh, Warzone. Well, oh, okay. Nice. That's yeah. a good one. I want to know the, the, the correlation between um, birthday cake flavoring sales and online gaming. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a good way to celebrate a win is with a birthday cake. A birthday cake. Yeah. Fortnite skin. Okay. Now you're on to something. That's got to be something already. We have to call, is it Epic Games? Yeah. I think, I think so, it's yeah. Epic. Yeah. Good for Epic Games. Epic Games is like, we're going to make Gears of War and that's all we're going to do for 10 years. And then uh, they make Fortnite and make a, bil- a billion dollars. In Unreal Engine. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. <laughs> I, like, accidentally went down the rabbit hole about five minutes before you came on, like, the whole, like, Goldil Escher Bach uh, Strange Loop thing. Mm. There's a whole book on it, right? Yeah. The whole idea that, like, the I that we, like, assign ourselves is really a metaphor for how we have, like, handled you know, symbolic data, et cetera. Mm. But that like, it's not a particularly unique thing. That like anything that takes data at a level can organize it into an I system. You know, this is the footnotes mm-hmm. version of like a 500 or 700 page book or whatever. Right, that's fascinating. But they call it the strange loop, which is- The strange loop. I've heard that before. Yeah, which it, the strange loop is anything. It's a paradox where- it's a hierarchy system that can only go one direction, but somehow can still connect with itself. Interesting. It's okay. in mathematics and it's in logic. It's like the, you know, this statement is false. One direction. So like the band. Yeah, like the oh, band. Okay. Oh, see, now we're jumping all around. Now we're, yeah, yeah. I would argue, I would argue that um, the, the band One Direction is a strange loop. That, because they, they're only is, going they're only going up and yet they still connect back to where they started. That is fair. You know? Wow. That, that, that's a very meta take on it, for sure. Speaking of strange loops, what, what did what did you do during the pandemic? Like, how did you... Some days I remember, some days I don't. <laughs> I think, like, yeah. the pandemic was such a flash of time, for me at least. Like, my perception of time definitely was weird during it. I had a lot of fun working on Zoom and working alone just on music. Um, I spent a lot of time at home with my parents. I, I cooked a lot. I got really good at panic attacks. Oh, I nice. mean, you, you got to get good at those, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, definitely a hobby. I'm, I'm, I'm quitting, but that was definitely a phase of the pandemic. I mean, you know, you got to learn your breathing. Otherwise you start losing mobility. Yeah, you, know? you don't want to be bad at panic attacks. Yeah, you don't want to be bad at panic attacks. You want to be good at them, but not like do them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. You want to conquer them. Yeah, exactly. Check exactly. the box. You want to like uh, time yourself to see how quick each panic attack is. It's like, oh, oh, I beat my record. Last one. That's really funny. Last one was three minutes. <laughs> and the, the fastest I was able to get over it was actually eight minutes prior. Yo, to guys, that. I'm about yeah. to speed run this panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It's a really a race. <laughs> it feels like a Bo Burnham bit. That does. actually. Yeah. Did, did you watch his? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Were you was, just, by the way, were you just listening yeah, to inside and eating breakfast inside, earlier eating breakfast. this guy was listening to inside while eating breakfast <laughs> yes yeah, I, I was listening to the I, to, I haven't listened to all of the uh the songs on it yet i uh, i just did you watch like, it i watched it i listened to yeah. um funny feeling oh nice yeah um and i saw a bunch of people like posting their renditions oh so you haven't actually like seen the no i saw oh okay, I, right. I saw the special um, but I loved just like watching a bunch of people write their own verses for a funny feeling. You know, what's funny because I had some friends who who wrote their own verses and my brain almost broke watching them because on the one hand, I love art that inspires new art. Like I love this idea that like, here's the song that Bo wrote in isolation and then all these people are inspired by it enough to like express their own problems, you know, and, and own, you know, funny feelings that they've had about society, et cetera. But then the other side of my brain that is like just seeped in irony is like, isn't it weird that a special about not everybody sharing their opinions at all times, all the time and being performative and and making it about them. Isn't it weird that like that's the thesis and theme of Inside and then it became trending for everybody expressing their own opinions yeah. and their own thoughts and being performative about? I think I think that's part of the irony like that I took from the whole uh, special was like, the irony of, of art and just expression in general is that it's a personal experience that relates to other people. Right. So like, I definitely don't remember every bit of that special because it was like, I mean, it was a trip. You could, you could probably yeah, write a paper, yeah. a couple papers on it, yeah, it if like you a, wanted to. It was like a trip. BuzzFeed already has, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What did I say? Like it, it's like a, the irony of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there, there is, um, and I think he plays on it too, you know, that there is th this super weird thing that, you know, we're kind of told that expression is supposed to be enough, but also that I think mm. so often we can't feel like the thing has been expressed unless there's a listenership. Yeah. Or unless there's an audience. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I don't think that's unique to our generation, but I think that because it's so easy now to get an audience, it's become so much more prevalent. Yeah, that's for sure true. It's funny what you said about the pandemic, though, because I like think about it in seasons. Like I could tell you, you know, I oh, could tell you what same. happens in season four of Frasier. Same. I could tell you what happened in like this three month period. I could not tell you the individual episodes, you know. I feel the same. Got my panic attack way. high score, though, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> That should be a thing. That should definitely be like a funny joke that people tell. Well, you know, it's I, it's I think what's been really weird too is now, especially now that everything's opening up, I feel like it's hard not to give yourself like a pandemic report card. Mm. Like I feel like my hyper productivity brain has been just like judging the shit out of like, what did you do in the last year and a half? To the point where I think I'm like both overwhelmingly busy and also feel irrelevant at the same time, which I don't know how those two things can like coexist. But I think that, yeah, I think that because everything is opening up so quickly, it's our brains are just trying to like contextualize the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, 
I I think the one thing I've definitely learned to do, it, like especially as the pandemic is at least in the states coming to what looks like a close, is like not try to to write a thesis about like <laughs> whatever the past month or year was and like how I did with it because I think that's like kind of puts like a lot of pressure on yourself to understand it. And if you if you don't understand it, but you tell yourself you understand it, then you might actually like kind of get yourself in a hole. I think that mm. you that have to deal with again later versus right. just like maybe taking pieces bits at a time and saying actually that I did that well and it didn't do that other thing well kind of thing. You Love know, that. it's a strange loop. Mm. It's a strange loop. Well, I think where the way that I kind of like you know kind of reboot out of it is just by taking where where we are now to where we were a year ago mm. and. There has been a lot of growth. I think there has been a lot of For like, sure. we didn't put out a ton of music, but I definitely, you did, I know, and I did, like we we wrote stuff and we made stuff that we didn't think we'd make. Yeah. You know, or didn't think we could or, you know. Whatever, Not for nothing, we put out an album. We also put out a record in the pandemic. Oh yeah, you know that little person. <laughs> That's awesome. <Yeah. laughs> I need to listen to it. Well, you did. I mean, I, I feel like you also like made a made the most out of, like a lot of the songs that I feel like did, did yeah. well for for you this year happened in the 2020 for sure space. no it, it was it was the weirdest year to like be kind of really taking your first step and just making music your full-time career because like i signed a publishing deal like a week before Damn. just COVID, and just like that along with releasing my own songs and then a couple other cuts and features coming out it's just like it's a very weird year to like have like good things happening but like nowhere like nobody's to meet for coffee right <laughs> right you know which is funny to say that because i like i'm just i just booked my first like official coffee meeting <laughs> with like somebody for music in i don't know a year and a half plus. yeah you know we've seen friends of ours do well like on on tiktok who wouldn't who in an, any other you know world would see that translated into crowds and bigger venues mm. but then couldn't play any shows um and i think that it's yeah. obviously very weird on the brain too to like have a successful thing happen but not have any of the boxes that you've maybe established for yourself as understanding your own success like being checked right. um but what is funny is like i do remember at the party and i do remember like we met stolar would throw these shows at hotel cafe called friends mm -hmm. people have heard the jads goudreau episode and we met her that night as well but we all went for pizza afterwards and we all were laughing i remember and then you wound up coming by the house a couple of days later because we were throwing a party uh -huh. and i do remember talking to you about because you were writing at that point and more or less like only doing like the session grind and stuff yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. and I, I remember you we, we did have like the, the the sort of brief chat on the would you ever do the artist thing or like oh, really? would you focus on I'm that so glad you remember thing. this because i love when people <laughs> remember things that i don't about me or like an encounter with me because mm. then it's like almost like a time capsule of like you know, whatever you were at that moment. Well, that's what this is. You know, I feel like this, sure. the podcast for has sure. always been a, a bit of a time capsule for us as well. But also, yeah, I, I think that whenever anybody is honest about like what they want their trajectory and their journey to be, I really make a note of it because mm -hmm. I love two things more than anything, which is mm -hmm. watching it come true and watching it change. Mm, cool. Because mm -hmm. I, I think that like both are really exciting because if you have a trajectory and you get what you want, mm -hmm. good for you. Yeah. I hope you're happy and healthy. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> um, but also like life moves in such a complicated and chaotic way that like the reasons we change what we want are also really 
powerful. Um, For sure. So I remember you saying that, and then you know, cut ahead two years. Where um, so what did I say? Really quickly. Well, you, you so you said that you were you were writing and doing the the session grind, and mm-hmm. that like that was what your life was looking like. That that is what you sort of like felt you were the Did, most useful. But I could mm. tell there was a hesitancy the way you said it because you were saying, mm-hmm. I mean, I also write for myself too, but like, I don't really like, I, that's not really what I talk about at parties. Right. I think you said that specifically. If was I, that like... I, I could definitely see myself saying that. I think that's, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like maybe I had a beer in me. <laughs> um, but also probably not because I think I might have been driving that night. I don't know. Well, I, I also like, I kind of like, I, I tend to like pull out, pull for out sure. from people too, just for like sure. little little uh, gems, uh, gems of the truth. But the... The funny thing is, is that we were, you know, cut ahead two years. We were just swimming at, you know, we were at a friend's pool and I hear a song. I think it's awesome. I pull out Shazam mm-hmm. and your name pops what, up. What song was it? I, I think it was Leave Me Low. Oh, sick. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, this is really, really cool. Super great. Like it was a bit of a summer vibe, but like, I love like, I love that kind of lyricism and down, a little bit of a downer on a upbeat song, like, that's or, my, or anxiety on a, on a, on an upbeat song. Like I, I love contrasting like feeling with lyric, like yeah. just like the happy, like upbeat kind of song, and then just like a a little bit of a somber moment. Well, that was that was what you know what was great was I was like I know him, that's he so, did it. That's so <laughs> and, like, cool. That's so funny. And like oh, I go to Spotify, it's like oh fuck, you're an artist, like that, you're doing it. That's like, so funny, I love that. So I just like yeah, shout your text. I'm like, are you good? How have you been? <laughs> like you know, but that, that's the kind of thing that like I I really love and why you know I think we've we've sort of stayed in this is just. Mm. It's exciting to see people make those big decisions and then run with them. Tell me about making Leave Me Low and what it was like putting that out. Leave Me Low is an interesting song for a few reasons. Um, I started that one alone at my parents' house maybe maybe a year and a half before it came out. Um, and then I, my buddy helped me work on it and recorded me on it, but I ended up recording, re-recording that later. And then my manager was becoming friends with this DJ Devault and he just kind of like introed us and we hung out and played some songs for each other. And then he liked that one and worked on it, sent me a version and I loved it and did some more work on it. Like I said, we tracked everything and got it sounding where I wanted it to and added some parts and then it was slated to come out and then it came out and then it had a really slow co- slow climb to to where it's doing the the numbers that it's doing now which aren't crazy numbers but like it's just been a really good like growth um line to watch for both his artist project and mine because it's just it just keeps going people keep responding well to it and the playlist support has been amazing and it's just a good song i guess well, I, mean, we, I mean we were vibing to it yeah. like we were vibing to it and he didn't even know yeah I, yeah I was just it was just part of part of a seamless <laughs> flow so, of good so good funny. tunes and that's, 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 that's what you want that's something that i didn't realize i like really wanted to do in music is like you know a lot of people including myself like a lot of the time want to be so paid attention to that like every lyric etc is understood and felt and analyzed but like there's really a world in music and a function of music beyond that, which is just like, I enjoy this. I enjoy hearing this going on, yeah. whether it's like super conscious or not. And that's a whole other that's craft a whole other in and of itself. Thing, some people yeah. some people are really good at one and not the other. And, and, and some, some people songs are, are really good at satisfying one and yeah. not the other. You exactly. Know I, mean? I would say that like the hill I die on is like, I love lyricism. I love like that you have to go to genius to you know, and to to get the whole mm-hmm. you know the whole juice of it. Like I love 
person with a guitar and the whole thing's fucking poetry. And I would argue I have a terrible time and have such <laughs> a hard time writing a song that somebody could just like capitally enjoy. Right. Because it's, I think it's a different skill set. And it, like, it's I, a different, it's totally a different feeling. Different yeah. It's a different, it's a different thing that I definitely do not know how to do <laughs> again and again. But I think like, the fact that you guys like that song in that kind of context is encouraging to yeah. to say that I can hopefully continue to make that happen for people. Don't leave me How did you get the music bug? Like, were your your parents musical, or did you? My parents were not musical. My my dad is like he doesn't even listen to music very often, if ever, like by choice for fun. I think he's starting to like. Must be nice. Or or, or at least <laughs> or at least I started noticing it later later on, like as I was growing up, that like he would listen to it and enjoy some music. My mom will will take all the credit for it for sure because <laughs> she she sung to me when I was like in her stomach, I guess. Not her stomach, literally, but, um, you know. The general area. The general area. <laughs> and um, she, would, she would listen to music and play music, I think, more just where, whenever she could. Like, I spent so much time with her growing up, you know, like, as a kid, like, she would just take me everywhere, which I think is awesome because she would play, like, Fleetwood Mac or something like that. That's awesome. I would kind of, like, kind of, like, grew up on all that stuff. My grandpa was in a band for, like, and by band, I mean, like, I think it was... Closer to a quartet than a band. Wow. So cool. Like, like a like a barbershop quartet? Not quite like barbershoppy, but it had that vibe of like there's an album that they have like one record that you can find on YouTube. I don't remember the name of it right now, but it's just like slicked back hair, mm -hmm. wearing wearing a suit, like post photos of these guys from like the sixties or like in during the sixties. Like Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons kind of vibes. Like like, like, like vocal like, group. Like B fifty two is a little bit uh, a little bit vibes. Like little little beachy. Little, little, little summery and like what's the name? I guess Beach Boys e yeah. ish. <laughs> it's really cool to like to learn about that after I took a liking to music. Right. Because then it's like, oh, maybe this like kind of is in me a little mm. bit. Right. You know? Which is just a weird thing to like think about like that kind of desire and creativity like actually being just passed through, you know, you and your family. Generational kind of for sure. Well, you know, my dad and my grandmother were piano players. And my dad was in a band. My grandmother was more classical. Um nice. My uncle was also in a band that did pretty well in Boston. Nice. And when we started doing this thing and I was able to kind of just relate to my uncle about it. Mm -hmm. It was really, really cool. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just learning that like, even though not everybody was necessarily creative, like I got a painter in my family somewhere and I got, um, you know, inventors, but everybody was like just a little bit risk takey mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. a little bit like okay with gambling. That's mm. definitely in, <laughs> in my family as well. My dad is an entrepreneur through and through. Yeah. Like just starting businesses, you know, whether it's exiting or just like staying a part of them, that's his blood through and through. Yeah. You know, so I'd, if not, like if, if the creativity wasn't genetic, then the... The willingness to do something and make something for yourself definitely was. I mean, I think I would argue that being an artist in the modern world is more of an entrepreneurial skill set than a creative skill set. Absolutely, yeah. And learning that is definitely the hardest part of like growing today, I think. Yeah. At least yeah. for me, because I 
I'm still realizing that because yeah. I focus so much on the music, of course. you know, and I think that's a little bit what my manager is there to remind me, <laughs> like remind me of it's like, this is a business. Not that I don't see it that way, but like you have to really remember that, like, especially with TikTok and just where things are at the moment right now with being so discoverable and, and people actually caring about numbers like that, like you have to see it as like a product and like selling it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also like to your credit, very hard to embody in one person. Like I think for that sure. like what's nice about being in a duo is that for every minute that Noah gets to focus on Sleeping Lion or his project as a capital A artist is a minute that I am doing client outreach and like all of and, and admin work and you know accounting. For sure. And and similarly every minute that I get to feel like I'm enjoying the the community and the development of artists and all that stuff is a minute that Noah is doing, you know, our, our capital P paid production work. So it's, mm. you know, there's, there's a balance on the business side For sure. that I think that when you have two people or you have like a manager is a lot easier to stomach and understand yeah, and contextualize. And, and even spl- splitting it up on my own, like, like I, I've learned that it's much more productive to like spend half of a day just taking care of purely administrative things yeah, as opposed to like, working on something, taking a 30 minute break in between a session to like, you know, deal with uh, like sound exchange. For right. Example. Right. You know, like it, it, that that's not a sustainable, like they really do require like their different, own, different parts of the brain, their own attention and different parts of the brain. Yeah, for, sure, for um, sure. And also it is a lot like doing laundry. Like I think it's a lot easier to do these sort of like I mean, to, to, to spend that time to mm-hmm. do these sort of like, oh, I'm going to spend the day or half a day doing this today, mm-hmm. but having that be on a consistent level mm-hmm. so that like at no point do you have the buildup and you feel, because I feel like when you feel like you're lost mm-hmm. or you feel like the workload is more than you can handle, you spend two hours, three hours just trying to get your head around it. Mm-hmm. You spend two hours, three hours trying to catch up, catch yeah. up with yourself. I, you know? I, I definitely fall into that, like even creatively, like I always have so many ideas and things that I want to work on and like people want me to work on that I'm like where do I start what do I do what do I finish is this shit is this good is this the best thing I've ever written is it the worst thing I've ever written you know so like that that same kind of like not problem but that same kind of dilemma definitely like translates over to any business thing I at least in my no I mean I I had that moment last night I I was um I had some projects I had to finish up last night and it was getting late and I was like really really stressed out about it (laughs) I just I I walked in the studio I took a breath I made some tea I ate some chocolate crack uh chocolate crack chocolate crack (laughs) um (laughs) I I ate some chocolate cat crackers from um Cater Joe's, which crackers. could be reasonably called chocolate crack at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Is it made of or for cats? It's, I hope it's not. No, they, it says specifically <laughs> made for humans for people. For people. On, so it actually says for it's people from, it's on from the box. Trader Joe's, is it and it's shaped? like is it it's shaped? shaped like a cat. Oh, yeah, it's delicious. Okay. So I'll give you some after this. I'm down. <laughs> it's great. It's real. It's a good old snack. Um, I'm pretty sure it's like sort of not like healthy, but like doesn't make you feel. Terrible. It's on the healthier side as far as snacks go. As far as snacks go. Yeah, I mean, as Um, long as you're staying away from like Butterfinger. Oh yeah, exactly. Snickers. I mean, we used to just have a ramen diet when we were working on a. You know, when we we would be up late, so it was ramen and Red Bull. That's how you knew ramen and Red Bull. That was I know that's like kind of the stereotypical college thing, but that was legitimately with 100 percent accuracy. If it works, it works. We just leaned into it. Yeah, just like ramen and Red Bull, like that gets the job done. I definitely had a phase where I, I could do that. 
I think. Um, uh, I mean, not now. Uh, yeah, I don't think my my body just, <laughs> body just, just, take it just, it. just won't operate. It's like putting water in a fuel tank. It's just like it goes through me, and my body takes nothing from it, and I just end up tired and fucking. A mess. Which that's the great tragedy of aging, isn't it? That that you lose you lose these superpowers. Because in retrospect, they look like superpowers. Whereas when you're when you're young, you're just like, this is just. Yeah, but we used to eat the Seven Eleven turkey sandwiches. There's no, there's no reason we should still be alive after that. <laughs> Pausing the podcast to shout out our sponsor, New Wave. No, I've been drinking coffee my entire life. You know, as a, as a Roman, same. As a New Yorker, absolutely. It's our birthright. It's our birthright. We came out of the womb drinking coffee. Fully caffeinated. And the thing is, is that we're not getting any younger. That's true. And we're not getting any less anxious. Oh, man, that's true, too. I'll say I have loved coffee my whole life, but lately it hasn't really been agreeing with me. How so? Unfortunately, when I drink coffee now, I just start feeling very agitated, very anxious. I've been looking around for alternatives that don't make my heart beat out of my chest while I'm in the middle of working. And that's how we stumbled upon New Wave. New Wave's Flow State Coffee is an organic ground coffee meant to lower anxiety, improve brain function, and support creativity. With L-theanine and raw cacao, Flow State Coffee is meant to feel like a cup of hot chocolate or tea while giving the energy of coffee. And now, through Talking Lion, you can try a couple cups of your own. If you go to their website, newwave.co, that's N-O-O wave.co, you can use the code BREWINGLION for 10% off your first order. We hope you get a creative boost and find your flow state. Now, back to the show. In January 2020, my mom said, if you get healthy, you'll also be able to like better surround yourself with healthy people. Yeah. Um, and that was really eye-opening to me. So, you know, did the therapy, went to the gastroenterologist, like went to the dermatologist, went to the the jaw specialist. Like, mm. and, <laughs> nice. but the, the long and short, what I was realizing were all these little things in my life and little mm -hmm. things in the world mm -hmm. were having these like effects that are, you know, that my body was trying to tell me wasn't good. Like anxiety plus eating garbage will lead to gastroinflammation, you know? I, it's so funny you bring that up because like I'm, I'm hopefully on the tail end of that own journey for myself. Like I had so much going like wrong. Like, like when I say zero energy, I mean like zero energy. Like yeah. I couldn't get out of bed for like, like, a, like months. Right. And I just, I went to doctor and doctor. They couldn't figure out like, what the fuck was going on. Like, is it in my head? Is it anxiety? Is it this? Is it that? Whatever. Long story short, and that's the appointment I have after this, right. which is why we had to keep the one <laughs> o'clock. I got a hair test from a, a place in West Hollywood, and it kind of sounded like uh, like voodoo shit to me when I was being when it was being explained to me. But your DNA will express itself in a way that allows this technology to understand like what foods you're eating, how, right. it's, how it's affecting you, what parts of your body you're calling out in distress, whatever. So after like three weeks of taking all of what I learned from that, you know, consultation completely like so much, like I'm turned around completely. Like I'm, I'm like, did they figure out what, what it was just, I was eating so many things that I thought were healthy that like, were just fucking out my body. Wow. Like, like cauliflower, chicken, wow. like things that like, you know, were clean and like supposed to be good for me. Like I was having reactions to. Yeah. Like you, you build up antibodies to these things and it causes inflammation. And right, right, right. It's such a spiral. And like, that, that's something that I also thought was interesting about the um, pandemic is like a lot of people wanted to point to like 
healthy habits as being um, universal. Right. Mm. When they're so individual, we so often we so often forget how personal and individualized and unique every single body is, even within the same families. You know. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it's it's also experiential, which is yeah, for sure. Because like I started getting really bad. Like I thought it was eczema on my face. Mm -hmm. Like it would burn for like it was red. It was flaking and and um inflamed uh, on my face and I had this for like three years Damn. and I finally went to a dermatologist and she said that I had like basically just a very diligent system on my face that that mm. was I, I think they didn't say this because they didn't know that this was the case but in my in my head it was probably like yeah I moved from New York like the the air in Los Angeles is objectively different my, mm. my body probably was just like fuck mm. time to go to war and all I had to do was, you know, they we have medicine. I'm, they're like, hey, calm down, face. And it's, you know, I think I look all right, you know. And, clear as, uh, clear as day. You know, day. clear yeah. as day. And yeah. um, I would get headaches Yeah. every day. I would get headaches every day. And I just thought that that was how you lived, like that your brain just kind of felt numb all the time. <laughs> um, and then I, I went to a TMJ, which our friend coins too much jaw. Too much jaw. <laughs> uh, I went to a TMJ specialist, and she's like, "Yeah, uh, you have arthritis in your in your jaw from grinding your teeth in your sleep for twenty five years." That's so interesting. So I just got like got like an appliance, and like you know, I've been doing exercise, and I feel so much better. That's crazy. My yeah. face has actually literally shifted. <laughs> I I believe it. I totally believe it. You see, so you never know. It, this is to anybody listening. This is your call to not like. To not think that whatever ailment you're dealing with is, is just a permanent a thing. part of life. Yeah. 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 You know, and it could be. There are things about my stomach that I probably won't ever be able to shake off. Right. Um, but uh, at the same time, and I, and I can't not grind my teeth in my sleep. I can only prevent the damage from it. Mm. But hey, you know, this might be the time to go to that doctor's appointment or call that therapist. Yeah. You know, start figuring out what's up. Yeah. I mean, the the thing like not to make it all about music, but the thing that was super interesting just as like an experience for me about taking charge of making sure you're healthy is that like when you do that, you you regain this kind of agency that I think a lot of people kind of just let go of during their come up years of like grind, hustle, this and that. Like I really had to tell people like I need to slow down. Yeah, I can't do this right now. Mm. I'm only going to do what I want to do. And just that own like ritual of just doing what you know, you need to do, I've seen affect how I write songs and what I work on and what lyrics I choose. Cause it's like a lot about music for me, like really imitates and can be inspired by and the lessons you learn from life can affect music and how you write those songs. Yeah. So like one of the shifts recently that I've had is like, why write something if it's not fucking good? Right. Or that you fucking feel. Right. You know, why would I eat something if it's going to fuck my body up? Does it taste a little good? Maybe. Am I going to be like, have a terrible headache for 10 days? Absolutely. Right. So like, there's a lot of these like overlaps that I think have been really interesting to like take from this whole experience, which goes back to the pandemic and all the things that come with that, you know, like so much like good and bad, obviously, you know, bad for people that have really suffered from it. But right. like so much good, I think is really going to end up coming from the pandemic that I, I think that's I, I also think that's a beautiful counter to the the tortured artist. I think that that's the, the much more healthy answer is like, no, mm -hmm. like if you get healthy, you'll make healthier art, I think is a much more a much more sustainable model than. Yeah. Then, you know, you have to be like fucked up to like make cool stuff. Because I, I, yeah. I think I think being healthy contextualizes any like sort of tortured moment you might have had in your life. Like mm -hmm. I, and I and what's nice is like, I feel like you're uh, like my canary in the coal mine, Noah, because 
the part of my brain that says you've gone too far, mm-hmm. like turn around, mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Because I've been doing hustle shit, like a toxic hustle shit since I was maybe like 14, 15, like two hours of sleep, three hours of sleep, like crazy. W- work until you're exhausted and then learn how to handle exhaustion, find out how you can take that 10 minute nap that makes you feel like you've had an hour, like that kind of yeah. disassociating levels of uh, <laughs> of insomnia and panic and like whatever. And I'm just like, that's how you make it, you know? Right. And, and but I feel like, especially at the top of 2020, you kind of taught me mm. that you got to address the shit, yeah. especially the older you get, because it doesn't go away. Yeah. You know? And, and if you right. let it build up, then it, it just leads to a breakdown. There's no, there's no way that that doesn't happen. Yeah. I think it, like naturally also like every type of habit will lead to some type of result, mm. like some type of art, like you will get results, but they will be, mm. they will circle right here. You yeah. Know? And for everybody listening, I'm holding my hands like about <laughs> a neck level. When you change your habits and improve your habits, it goes to like your head level. Right. Like, I'm like raising my arms in the air. For like sure. I think being a tortured artist is like we have to dive in and just like fucking die for it. But I feel like it's okay to tie a rope around your your waist before walking into the cave. Some of my yeah. favorite and saddest songs about an experience or heartbreak were written when I was happy. Yeah. You know, and like it's a good good like barometer about like where you have to be to write something. It's like actually nowhere specific. You can still like take it, make use of your you know personality that likes to dwell on sad things, but live a happier and healthier lifestyle. You know, like you don't have to have this completely congruent thing that's like torturing you and like breaking you down. And I think know? I think we that's where it gets when we cr- we crave authenticity from our artists, and I think that that's where it can get muddy. Is that when you're performing songs that are about heartbreak? that there's a sense that, oh, this person must be going through that for this to be valid art, which is not necessarily the case. And I also think your heart can break in a million kind of different ways. Like, I think that, like, obviously breakups are such wonderful places to talk about, but I think that there are a hundred little heartbreaks in trying to get along with somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, a hundred little heartbreaks in being in a great thing and mm-hmm. and and trying to figure out what that means, you know? And and I think the songs, I think about the songs that have made me cry in like the last, you know, six months or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you take a song like Kyoto mm-hmm. by Phoebe Bridgers, mm-hmm. which it's such a sad and beautiful and hopeful. And I mean, the song, you I couldn't call it a sad song yeah, but, and yet it, it makes me sob. But why would you hold her to living that life? Right, right, and, right. And the same is true for like, the flip side, like you wouldn't just you wouldn't scold Pharrell for not being happy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could. It would be really I funny. Would, I would, yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't expect him to be. Like, yeah, you, like it was like everybody's a person. You can have yeah. you're gonna have a day where you're not clapping along to the roof, whatever the lyric is. Right. You know, <laughs> clap along if you feel like a room without a roof, which right I have always maintained. Yeah. You want your rooms with roofs on them most of the time. Like nine times out of ten, you want a room with a roof on. Yeah, it. I feel like if I felt like a room without a roof, I'd feel incomplete. I'd feel incomplete. I feel, I feel I feel stressed. I'd be like, exposed, oh, what if it rains? Yeah. I don't know. I, I would I would like it closer to a, a patio than a room. Like, yeah, <laughs> like patios shouldn't have roofs; they should be free. Stopping the podcast to shout out one of our sponsors, The Truffleist. Noah, you like to cook. I do like to cook. You're actually very good at cooking. I'd say I'm decent. But I think that the thing about cooking that you have taught me is that flavor 
is everything. Truly. You got to bring in little flavors that you wouldn't expect. And one of my favorite flavors is the taste of truffles. A great flavor. But we are so lucky to have the Truffless as a sponsor for Talking Lion. Founded by Jimmy Coons and based in Long Island City, Queens, the Truffless creates artfully handcrafted truffle products of the highest quality and flavor. While their truffles are imported from the countrysides of Italy, France, and Spain, they proudly source many of their base ingredients locally from small farms and artisanal producers. They offer a variety of truffle products, from truffle oil and truffle butter, to truffle salami and honey, to even truffle hot sauce. I love truffle hot sauce. They've also recently launched cheesesteaks by the Truffleist, so keep an eye out for pop-ups in your area. So bring the taste of truffle into your life. Go to truffleist.com, that's T-R-U-F-F-L-E-I-S-T.com to place your first order. Now back to the show. Tell me about Beautiful. Because that's that's a really cool song. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I love that song. I love Beautiful. I One of my closest collaborators and best friends um, I met at a camp in Italy uh, in 2018, which is kind of how I ended up meeting Stoller and therefore you. Yeah. Well, who's your friend? Um, my, my friend is Rick Anima. Okay. He's just a writer and uh, he's dope. <laughs> but um, we've done so much together over the pandemic and even before the pandemic and after as well that'll happen i don't know if he wrote that one during or before the pandemic because he was like the one person i would like break quarantine with because we were both like locked up you right. know being being safe and our other buddy chemo was stuck in amsterdam because he's from there and so we were at uh his home studio in studio city and we were just writing making making a song and and a lot of what you hear uh, in that record is actually from the day of. Like it was the demo vocal, like a lot of the production that's in there is just what I threw on the board when we were, you know, messing with it. And what the thing that I think makes that song special is it is really good representation of like my writing relationship with Rick, which is like just it feels good. Like that song feels good to me to listen to. It felt good to write. It feels good to play. Like nothing about it was like challenging or hard you know and that's i think something i've definitely like strived to achieve with music and writing and making music is like it shouldn't be that hard like like trusting your gut and your instinct is like so like foolproof in my opinion obviously you need to edit right. things and have technique and, well, we, this and I mean, we love demo vocals for that very reason is that like it's, it's very a, hard to yeah. capture what what you sound like when you're first singing yeah a song you connect with yeah no it, and it's it's so it's it's kind of an unexplainable thing that I don't quite understand yet, but like you will never get the same feeling out of a vocal unless you're a truly exceptional vocalist and artist and have that emotion that you can find like the day of. Right. Like, yeah. it, it just people like, Cause, well, cause that's the closest you get to hearing your song for the first time, that which too. is the experience that, that's that we crave for ourselves that we can't ever have. But, right. but like, you know, we hope that anybody who hears us has a great first time listening experience. Yeah. That, that's why it's actually really good to spend the time, like the extra hour after you're tired from writing this the song to like track a, a decent vocal. Because oh, yeah. you can always, at least a lead, like you can always just fill in the rest later and, and that, that'll translate acceptably. Um, but yeah, you're right. It just, it's never the same. Is there a part of Beautiful that you really like? Something that you want, you know, to, to point out for the listeners? The thing that, was the most fun and I like the most personally for selfish reasons about that song was probably like part of the production. Like I think I like put the microphone up next to 
either the guitar or my lap and was just like like patting some stuff on my legs for the for the rhythm because I couldn't find a, a sample that I liked and it just felt good like, that's awesome and, I love we, that. and we kept it in and, and deep end kept it in the production and beautiful oh my 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 if I ever cross your mind oh I hope you feel ashamed beautiful I like moments like that because it also just like really feels like a testimony, testament, testimony to um, like how whatever you make, it doesn't matter where it comes from or like whatever rule you're breaking. Like if it sounds good and feels good, like it's music. It's a testament, but you just made a testimony to it. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. I, the, I I really like <laughs> I really like try to like have my grammar and uh, vocabulary on point, but those are two words I always get confused. <laughs> It's okay. There, there are words, uh, and actually, I'm curious how it evolves now that my jaw is moving to its proper place. Uh-huh. Uh, there are words I just can't say. We we run into this a lot when we write for like people, mm. you know, especially uh, like German, mm. like people from Germany mm-hmm. and like the sort of Swedish Norway stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that like I get really into the weeds about like meter and phonetics because. Uh, and like how like consonants hit on mm-hmm. each other because I come from sort of a slam poetry background. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so hard sometimes. It's just really, really interesting because you could write a line that like works perfectly, you know, right. from, a, from a visual Not meter anymore. standpoint. Not anymore. And then, you know, and then they're it does, like, just doesn't work it doesn't work. But yeah. I, I find that even for myself, like sometimes like I just don't have the like, face or voice to mm. get to get a word across mm. and somebody else does like yeah that's one thing that i think is so interesting about co-writing with other singers or like or artists is like you can see like your lyric that when you sung it it just didn't feel cool and they sing it and it feels like a lyric you know right it's because like there's really more than i think we give credit to like the enunciation and just feeling behind like the shape of someone's face and how it affects a word. Also, more than anything, it's just muscle memory. Like talking about this stuff, like you don't, you don't like bring it to the front of your mind consciously when you're writing, but like that, that shit adds up. And, you and get, it's into your instincts. And like, also, one thing that like working with some people that have kind of had success already has taught me is like that shit all adds up in a song. Mm-hmm. Like the more little tiny things that your subconscious can like get stuck up on or stuck on when you're listening to a song, like the more the listeners like detached from enjoying the music. I think listeners have a keen ear for what doesn't work, even if they can't explain why it doesn't. Yeah, that's the whole uh, heard versus felt thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the uh, hear the feedback, but not the solution, where it's like if you show it to your friend, they are expressing something to you that is troubling them about a song. Right. And they may, might have like what they think might be the solution your experience and your knowledge and whatever is what allows you to find the solution without listening to what somebody thinks the solution is. That's why it's like hard to, to hear feedback from people who like just don't have the experience. Right. Then you're like, fuck you. That's not what's right. Or like, now, yeah. now it's a tra- take, translate. Take the note. Take the yeah, note. It's like take- that, that person had an experience at that, that was that part or component of your song. And I've, I've definitely been wrong in the past about like having feedback and thinking that it was just invalid because the communication was like, not what like I th- understood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. That's the beauty of like A and R. Sometimes is like obviously a lot of them know exactly which terms to use. But like when they like when a good A and R says something about a song, it's like yes, 
Yeah. That's exactly what what feeling was missing. They're or, professional taste people. They're professional yeah. instincts. Yeah, yeah. for you sure. Know? For sure. It's got to be in your belly a little bit. You yeah, know? no. It, yeah, you got to use your, your lizard brain to analyze songs <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, if you think too much about anything, you don't know why anything doesn't work or does work or yeah. whatever. That is, you know? that is very true. It's and great. at the end of the day, you are trying to just make a great listener experience. You know, like... Bon Iver's stuff I think about a lot too because it's just like you can't get into the minutiae of how that sloppy piece and that sloppy piece works. It's such a humble practice to not quantize something sometimes. Yeah. Or, or like whatever. And Bon Iver is arguably my all-time favorite artist. And like... I won't just, argue with that because it's ours too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think he's a genius at, at communic- giving you a feeling from the, from the music. Mm-hmm. Like he's one of the only artists that can like like I think it like capture like in Holocene, like the most peaceful like meadow I've ever pictured in my head. I'd never felt that listening to music before. Right. You, you know, like I'd never been taken there by an artist without turning it off. Well, even mm. even backing into like restacks on the first record, mm. like he makes, you know, five verses or however many verses there mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Like he makes a verse that is just so compelling and poetic that you don't need anything else that's something i think bon Iver also does a really good job job of with production is just serving the song yeah and i know like i've heard that term for a long time just whether it's like on youtube or on podcasts or whatever or just like other friends but like i think that's an endless learning thing like being able to just know and also production thing like just this song needs only piano that's (laughs) that's it that's the only instrument yes you'll have like dynamic shifts but like Knowing that. Is some like, songs ask you for that. Some songs are like, please don't put other stuff but, in me. But some songs ask you for so much right. like drums and you're and and something and you have to know that like it doesn't actually need that. When I was a kid, I would play a lot of like minimalist piano pieces mm-hmm. and it was because I was not good at the piano. <laughs> um, my dad loved listening to like Rick Wakeman and Yes and stuff and could play all these fast things and I knew I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to learn how to play three notes really, really well. Mm-hmm. I remember he said that there was a maturity to that. And at the time, like I was 16, 17, I didn't see it as maturity. If I, I, I saw it more as a cowardice or as like um, a, a hedge bet of like, I can't play piano well. Mm. Let me just play minimalism. Yeah. Um, and, but then in us meeting and us throwing 300 tracks at the wall mm-hmm. and sort of becoming maximalists and then learning what we needed to t- take out, I realized there is a maturity to hearing a song that could have a whole orchestra and having a song that could have, you know, a big old drum thing and trusting. I mean, it's it's the principle I think that applies to almost everything in life. Like the ability to be concise, yeah, is just it's a lifelong school. I'm I'm working on finishing like a lot of my next uh, like six or so songs, and that is the hardest exercise. Absolutely, is just keeping it simple. But but you get so rewarded when you figure it out, you know. Mm. Like it's like you really like. There's also like a, an instant gratification you want to achieve when you're writing or producing something. I think, right. you know, and like when you're throwing like a good track on in into the computer or whatever, like that feels good. But it's just a good track, and then you have ten good tracks, and then at the end of it, you're like, this doesn't sound good. And you know? and you know, especially when you're writing demos in this maybe on a, on a piano or with a sort of stripped down beat sometimes you don't realize that the thing you like the most about it was the thing that you went the furthest from
Pausing the podcast to remind you that we have a Patreon that you can subscribe to if you want to support the show. If you're enjoying this episode, but you're thinking that you've got a burning question for an artist, or you just want to talk with us, or maybe you just want to mug with our faces, our Patreon's the way to go. So go to patreon.com slash talking lion to subscribe. Now back to the show. Are you ready for the question round? Oh, sure. Hit the question round. I love questions. Put me on the spot. So our first question is from our Patreon subscriber, Alan C. As always, Alan, thank you so much for your question and for being such an amazing supporter of the podcast. Alan C. wants to know, Okay. what inspires you? That is a question I think a lot of creatives ask themselves and change their mind about sometimes from time to time. I I was asked the same question recently, and I did a little panel for a K-pop thing. There's a few people on the panel. We were talking about that. And one thing that I think I took from that little chat was like inspiration is not a rock on a necklace that you have right here that stays right there. Mm. You know, it's it's definitely something that like will change its shape, change its feeling, change how it affects you, change how it pushes you. And what you become inspired by, at least for me, like what's inspiring changes changes all the time. Like there are obviously if if a handful of emotions I feel like I connect with deeply, like with my personality and just like, you know, the 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 type of music I make and like making. But I think that question for me is almost like more like has more to do with like what my favorite part about writing music is. And personally that's just the fact that I like being inspired by a lot of things. Like whether it's a story somebody tells me or like thinking about my parents or like a past relationship or literally a quote like that I saw on Instagram. Like I think I think it's a fun exercise at the very least to like draw inspiration from a lot of different places. I mean, that's also why like you kind of get confused but still understand when the littlest, most obscure lyric in a song is the one that makes you actually cry. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not about chasing this thought of what is supposed to inspire you. It's about something that somehow somewhere has an intrinsic meaning that like means something to you. And also why like the the space that you're working in and also like what you wind up doing even before you start writing is so important too. For sure. Because what you say in those conversations can be inspiring. What, you know, uh, little details in the room. Also just taking random shit and combining it like will like give you it's like mixing colors it gives you color like you didn't know you wanted to see we're gonna try something new that we actually haven't done in the question round um and this isn't like a sponsor or anything but uh we found this thing called table topics yeah kind of like these like fun questions that self-explanatory yeah yeah more or less yeah so the question is what was your favorite childhood meal i don't know if i had a favorite i more vividly and i could probably think of one but i more vividly remember the things i definitely didn't want to eat <laughs> which, <laughs> were, which were tomatoes mushrooms and olives oh uh, there you go and today olives are the only one that i still don't like eating interesting. I, Very interesting I, i've grown to love mushrooms the food kind and tomatoes <laughs> and tomatoes i think they're great <laughs> um if i may ask how old are you 24 Okay. Interesting. So that is interesting. Why? That's Why? very interesting. Okay. Why is, so, this, why is this so interesting? Very, very interesting. So <laughs> apparently my age is interesting. Yeah. Well, well, I still read I, the olives. When I turned 24, mm-hmm. I suddenly just craved olives. 
That's interesting. Like just out of nowhere, just really suddenly, like I hated them my whole life and then suddenly loved them. That's so funny. Um, and then if I if I fall in love with olives before my 25th birthday, I will call you. Please tell me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then with mushrooms, I didn't like mushrooms. And then our friend Max was preparing mushrooms and talking about like their flavor. And like it was such a nice memory mm. that when I wound up eating it, all my ew, mushrooms are gross thoughts kind of dissipated. Yeah. And and yeah. now I have, now I just really like mushrooms. Yeah. But yeah, you know, there's a great line in Ben Fold's song, which is, read me off a list of things that I used to not like, but now I think are okay. That's mm. cool. And I, I think about that a lot, yeah. um, about how th- there are so many things, and I hate that we're like on the public record for all of it, <laughs> but there are so many things that I'm sure I'm going to like five years from now, 10 years from now, that I said that I hate with a passion, you know? Maybe one day you'll like non-deterministic time travel. Fucking never. <laughs> you would now. It's your, the harder you go on the record on this, the more it, you'll have to eat, eat your words if you ever change your mind. I just can't find a compelling argument for having like time travel with so many paradoxes. I'm just saying. Um, also, favorite food I can probably say with confidence is matzo ball soup that my mom. Nice. Made. So you're Jewish. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Well, welcome. Yeah. You know, same. I thought I. I thought when we were talking about our stomachs that I was <laughs> ca- catching like a vibe. Um, n- nice to meet a, a fellow tribe member. Always. Um, Always. Yeah. Oh man. Actually, now that you mentioned it, my aunt makes a delicious mass ball soup. It, it's it's one thing that like is kind of like like an old house smell. Like when you have, whenever you taste that, whenever you go back into that house, it like just smells like childhood and whenever like i have a matzo ball from like canters not the same effect i was about to say i was about to ask you i feel like i've had matzo ball soup from canters and i've been disappointed but i don't want to talk about it yeah i mean i think it's fine to like be disappointed because the the standard is so high right like with with like matzo balls like like canters is like a great place but it's not like it's not like cuisine. Right, right, right. Like, like I, I doubt they're like simmering the broth for hours and hours and hours like a lot of people do at yeah. home. And like, yeah. and like this is going to come off really just fucked up. But just n- nothing's as good as your mom's balls. <laughs> Got him. I mean, it, my aunt's balls. <laughs> oh, yeah. For some reason, somehow that, that, that strikes me worse. That almost feels worse. Yeah, yeah. That, feel, that feels worse. Yeah, that feels worse. It feels, yeah. Um... But matzo ball soup is delicious. And, and now I'm actually craving it. So thank you for that. Yeah. It's actually a great day to have it because it's like 100 degrees outside. Yeah. I was going to say really soup weather. Yeah. So definitely step outside of the AC and Yeah. Just sweat. drink some soup. Yeah. It's, it's it's the open the open air sauna. Oh, yes. Yeah. So the next question of the question round is what is your phone background? It's a picture I took on the top of June Lake, which is near Mammoth, but it's like a smaller little mountain um and it has a smaller lake oh wait is, is there a mammoth lake yeah there is right yeah, yeah. um it's a film picture i love film photography Did you take it on like a disposable no this i think i think this one i actually took while my grandpa's old minolta was still working wow. which was like my introduction to film photography was, i do like a lot of disposable stuff yeah no i love disposables they're they're the shit they're, i love them yeah the best. but this one was um just a thing on that camera and the light leaks are all natural and the little scuffy light things are all... It looked like a UFO falling to Earth for a second or yeah, something, like yeah, a meteor. Maybe it is. I don't know, but I, I love this photo. And it's, it's, a great, it's a great photo. It's very peaceful. It's my it's my background. It feels like something you would like see on Pinterest and think like someone just like made that on Photoshop kind right. of thing. But I'm the only motherfucker who has it. So therefore, it's my background. I love that. My, my background for a while was my friend Josh Para, like took a photo of Times Square, mm-hmm. but did like a, a little bit of a UV 
swap on it mm. so that all of it was sort of orange and looked almost like um, Blade Runner-esque. Oh, and nice. I loved it because you have all these photos of Times Square, mm-hmm. but like this one only I had, you know, that's, me and me and he. That's uh, actually him. cool. That's actually cool. Re our conversation earlier. Do you have a non-musical hobby? Kind of. I have non-musical hobbies that I don't treat like hobbies, more like distant relatives that I visit once a year hmm. kind that's of thing. Funny. Yeah. Like, oh, well, actually, the, the, the most recent hobby is I bought like a, a watercolor set and <laughs> I've been like just painting just like a little bit here and there just to activate some other part of my brain yeah. And, yeah. Do, and do something with my time other than like like be on my phone yeah you know and, scrolling and it's also something i like i, I purchased because i am looking forward to like having people over again and working in person and just like having other things to do than like let's fucking finish this song or like yeah. let's just like i don't know drink too much coffee kind of thing we've been doing like poker nights and stuff nice that's been that's awesome yeah yeah and then other than that, I, I love building things. Mm. I, oh, cool. I love like woodworking, like not like professional. I was gonna be like Lego sets. <laughs> <laughs> not like, not like high quality necessarily shit, but like I love like putting stuff together and like just like making, like I made like a, a cable holder for all my cables. Oh, very cool. Which, with like angled things and it was like stained at different colors. It's like a cool little piece that I love and I love making stuff like that. That's really cool. All right. The most important question we okay. have for you. Hit me. Would you be a pirate? It's a complicated question. Like, if I were to be born, would I be born a pirate? Or would I be what I want to be a pirate? You've hit on the I, what I think is the most interesting part of the question that no one has ever... The nature versus nurture of The nature piracy. versus nurture. Yeah, it's because, because you you know, it's like if you were born and you were a privateer and you uh-huh. lost your job, you would probably become a pirate because that would be a social force that would have pushed you in that direction. It's more just like, do you philosophically... Is that your vibe as a person? Okay, not, not to complicate it even further but like what oh boy hit us in, in a sentence like what is your idea of a pirate like we're, t- we're talking like n- someone historically accurate historically pirate. accurate like in in the golden age of piracy not a ton of murder a lot more like more searching for treasure searching for treasure okay searching um, for treasure and also like flying in the face of like sovereign governments and like you know uh yeah trade. I, th- I think i have i think i'm as likely to be a full-blown pirate as the as I am to be the farthest thing from it. Interesting. Like, I, I think, like, I would be a gnarly pirate and, like, just have a sick boat and, like, be on the hunt for that that booty, you know? The, <laughs> Always the, looking for that booty. The, the pirate booty. Or I would just totally be, like, posted up in some village on, like, the Nordic shore, like, or whatever shores makes sense for the era. Yeah, I don't know. I could be totally hardcore or totally not at all, I think. Interesting. I think that maybe speaks to you as a creative as well. Because, it totally does. Because yeah. And 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 again, sort of harking back to what you said at the party was uh-huh. like, I think you're you're somebody who who seeks out comfort in the sense that you could be comfortable and and find like a path of with with you know that feels good and feels kind of right. But you also have a part of you that is a thrill seeker and a gambler and a risk taker. And I think that like those yeah. two, not to psychoanalyze your pirate decision. No, that that that's fine. Definitely roast me. No, I know, but I no, but I but I mean, what I mean to say is that I think a, a lot of, especially uh, the mid us mid twenty people, yeah. like I think uh, the the call for comfort is a lot quieter 
when you're younger because everything's uncomfortable. Mm. But once you start finding little pockets of comfort or start realizing how much more it kind of hurts to have discomfort and how harder it is to ignore discomfort, mm. I think that once you start understanding your relationship with comfort, it gets a lot more complicated. Mm. So I think that there's part of me that, that, that would love to just sort of like fuck off to a cabin in Colorado and just call it a day and not really, you know, do well, anything anymore I, ever. Ironically, that could be un- very uncomfortable. Incidentally, yeah, you know, but also, you know, I I think part of what would make it uncomfortable is the other side that like wants me to keep like playing the table and and coming back to the casino that is this music industry. Yeah, no, I definitely have like creative and personality traits that contradict each other a lot. Like I'm very, very picky about some things and just very so easygoing about others, you know. Every artist is John Wick. That's what that's my thesis. Wait, please, please expand on that. Every artist just wants the dog and the house and to be out, but there's always something that brings them back. There's all, yeah, that's there's fair. always something that brings you back, and then you then, <laughs> then, then you're, you're taking you're, the sledgehammer, sledgehammer you're to getting the basement, your guns and yeah, that's, you're, that's you're back. Funny. That's funny. Everybody's wondering if I'm back. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> what a movie! That's so good. Do you have any tattoos? I have no tattoos. Do you want tattoos? I don't. Want or not want tattoos. Is it based in Judaism or is it more just a personal preference? No, I mean, maybe subconsciously, like hearing that you're not supposed to get them like growing up, that may affect my like uh, disposition towards them. But I have nothing against getting a tattoo. Like I, I, I don't mind. Like I also don't wouldn't care if I had tattoos. I just I'm not super drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also don't, I've never felt so compelled. All, a couple of times I like had ideas, but I've never been so compelled. Like I want that on my body. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Also, like I think I'm not a huge fan of such permanent things sometimes, like just in life in general. That's where I'm at. I, I think I have a harder time with that. Like, like, like I change my mind about certain things a lot, especially creatively and aesthetically that like, I think uh, it's a recipe for possibly making a mistake although it definitely intrigues me i i mean i i mean it doesn't happen as often as i want it to but i love being wrong uh and i think that i think that so much of of like the growth in my life has been these pockets where i have Mm -hmm. been so wrong Mm -hmm. and have been able to sort of learn from them and grow from them whatever and and similarly I, i don't trust my ability to not grow out of almost everything that i think i like now or mm-hmm. evolve with it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So to say like, oh, well, this is something that is going to mean something to me yeah, for a while. I also, I also think like my favorite tattoos are not meaningful. Like my friend Johan, like he like has a tattoo of a lemon because he was at a tattoo shop with his friends and they're like, do you want one? And he's like, uh, sure. And there's a lemon on the counter and he got that. <laughs> like that's also kind of like where I think I'd want to come from if I was getting one. Like right. not, not to put some like quote on the side of my <laughs> uh, side of my rib cage. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's my style. What was the first concert you ever attended? I want to say Neil Diamond, but it definitely wasn't him. But like in my like, I think I might have been 14, maybe younger, when I went to a John Mayer concert. Oh, sick. And that was like definitely my first like, I am listening to this music. You know, my first yeah. like awake concert, if that makes sense. I get, I get that wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. And that definitely um, set me on a little bit of my path and tastes in music. Awake concert. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, though? No, I, I, I definitely, definitely do. Uh, I mean, I, I think, like, I was young for my first concert. I went to see Yes with my dad. Nice. Um, 
But I, like, I think Green Day was probably the first one that like I asked for the tickets. Sick. Though I mm-hmm. loved Yes at the time when you know too. But it was like my I loved it because my dad loved it. Mm-hmm. But you just this, calling it an awake concert made me think about how the first time I ever went to a show in LA, mm-hmm. I was visiting family here. And they had tickets to see Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture oh, right. at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> and I, but it was like, hopped on the plane at LAX. That's so funny. Go into I, the Hollywood Bowl to see the 1812 Overture. And yeah. how much do you know about the 1812 Overture? Not at all, but not, and also not to interrupt you, but that reminded me of when my grandma, <laughs> who lives in LA, would take me to the Hollywood Bowl to see Looney Tunes with a live orchestra. Whoa, that's okay, cool. yeah. And like, that's... Definitely also on the list of like first concerts. Yeah. So here's the thing about the 1812 Overture. If ever you're doing a crossword or a trivia and they're <laughs> asking what's the ma- most famous thing about the 1812 Overture, the most famous thing about the 1812 Overture is that there are cannons. Like they are actually, you are required to, like in the music, to fire, uh, I forgot how many times, like 60 something times, like actual <laughs> cannons. So many. So many cannons. Here's the thing though the piece itself, is maybe like an hour, whatever, prior to, and maybe I'm making that up because I was a, a child, but I I get off the plane at LAX with a dream and a cardigan, and I'm exhausted because I, it's the first time I traveled by myself. Mm-hmm. I was like 14 or whatever, and my step-grandmother brings me to the Hollywood Bowl, and she has like a box, and it's like fucking cool, whatever, and they're serving us drinks, and I'm not drinking because I'm 14. <laughs> um, so I have, you know, a tea and that knocks me the fuck out. So it's just a classical piece of music and I'm tired. So I just fall asleep because that's what you do. Yeah, no. Th- and then I, I got woke up by kids. I would do the same today. That's really funny though. I just, I just, the, the, I was you, so overwhelmed being woken up by a cannon. And that you, was my first uh, sleep concert. Can you recommend our listeners a movie, a book and a TV show? Um, okay, movie Goodwill Hunting, nice. one of one of my all-time faves. One of my all-time faves. A book I'm reading right now. Um, it's called Letters to a Young Poet. Hmm. Uh, it's by Rainier Wilk, I believe. It's good. Um, really short. Definitely still haven't finished it. Slow reader, trying to get better at that. But um, it's I've loved it so far. It's like uh, it's like eight short chapters about like creativity, love, and life. Um, from the perspective of a poet who's writing to like a young poet. Mm. Oh, cool. Very cool. Um, um, and in a TV show to recommend. Oh, yeah, the TV show. My favorite TV show is Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. That's a fun yeah. one. Here's the thing I tried to watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and I can't. Why? Because <laughs> I don't know whether I voluntarily want to listen to my grandfather for <laughs> hours on end. Yeah, I mean, like I love my grandparents, love my whole family, but like, Curb Your Enthusiasm is like my extended family experience right. yeah. on television. I, I, it's just not escapist entertainment for me at all. Yeah, it's, it's probably not my favorite show of all time, but I've I've been like twice around it during the pandemic. I've made a a, a, weird, a strange loop around it, if you will. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's those are my top three, I guess. Do you have a scar with a story? Definitely. I, 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 have a few, I actually have a handful of scars on my body. There's one on my knee that is like the biggest, I think. And I got it from riding a bike when I was like, I don't know, 12. And we were racing with my friend that lived across the street from me. We were just racing our bikes. And I think he had an electric scooter and I was trying to catch up to him. And I rode into a gutter. Like, like it, it was like kind of like a, one, one of those like shallow, slow sloped gutters. You know what I mean? That had like 
the kind of like not build up, but like it was like a moist gutter, which I hate that I just said that. But, moist gutter. Yeah, moist gutter. Which no, can you say that like ASMR? Moist gutter. No, let's let's not do that to the to your fans. <laughs> but but anyways, I slipped and my knee was just like it was just a big gash. It was open. Ooh. It was bleeding. It was dirty and it was painful. It's fucking painful. It's my scar. It's did, it, did it did it make you stronger though? As the saying goes, it didn't kill you, but it made you stronger. Yeah, it definitely didn't. Did, definitely didn't make me weaker. That's yeah. hard hitting journalism, Noah. That's, I was just trying. You know, yeah. It was the scar of the story. I'm like, I want to make sure we found the moral, the moral lesson <laughs> yeah, of it. It definitely made me stronger, but it also made me like, that maybe like as part of the birth of like my cautiousness. <laughs> like, oh, interesting. Not that one incident, and I'm definitely exaggerating that. But like those kinds of things, definitely like. I, I like learn from shit like that where I'm like, I'm not going to ride my bike as fast as I, right. my little legs can fucking go in a wet gutter or moist gutter. Yeah. Right. The birth of, <laughs> the birth of caution. The birth of caution. Um, That's all right. Hilarious. What are three thoughts you have right now at this very moment? Three thoughts. I'm hungry. Um, I'm excited. Ironically, which I never thought I would say for my doctor's appointment. That's how I feel about my TMJ appointments. It's like relieving. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just really satisfying to like have somebody that, knows what the fuck they're doing and knows what's wrong with you yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly as opposed to somebody just taking your money um and then the third thing i'm thinking is it's beautiful outside yeah it really is hot as hell though oh yeah yeah, yeah it's hot but it's nice yeah <laughs> and lastly uh what are you looking forward to i am looking so much forward to my next single and not to be like the guy who's talking about a single on a podcast. No, no, I mean, talk, this is the place this for is it. This is the place for it. The song is called Haircut. It's one of my favorites. I wrote it and produced it all, all by myself. And hundred percenter, hundred percenter, which has been a nice challenge and and learning experience. I think it's fun to do that sometimes. And um, we're we're all really excited about uh, the feedback and the response that we've gotten so far. And hopefully, people love it and listen to it and make TikToks to it and twerk and make creative <laughs> things and cut their hair to it yeah maybe maybe it's, maybe it's the first haircut video yeah the first get your haircut to this song yeah Love i'll that. listen if i get my haircut in, in new york i'll do that it's really not about like haircut um like get it's not about it's not a song about hair yeah i mean i figured yeah. i figured yeah <laughs> you're you're a writer we we've all been around the block <laughs> just, <laughs> just yeah just for those people thinking i'm like you know some dude who just like has the perfect hair and is obsessed about it. Not the case. <laughs> what's uh, what's like a, a, a lyric or a moment of the song that you want people to pay attention to? Um, honestly, the lyrics in this song are some of my favorite I've ever written. Hit, hit, me, hit us with one. We'll, we'll splice it right in. You like my hair short, but every time I get a haircut, I think about the LA airport, dropping you off, mess my mind up. You like my hair short. Now every time I get a haircut, I think about the LA airport. Dropping you off and mess my mind up. Mm. I love it. So big Scott Pilgrim energy on that one. Yeah. Big big also like reveal about the haircut title. So this is uh some privileged information. <laughs> Listen, you, you heard it here first. You folks. heard it here first, yeah. Folks. If you like it, DM me, FaceTime me, text me. I, I want to hear what was, what I did wrong, what I could do better in the next one. But yeah, just tell me everything about the song. And if you like this episode and you like Inside Scoops, DM all of us. Yeah, and on a thread. On a thread. Yeah. And tell us 
whether we asked the questions you wanted or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. tell us on a scale of 1 to 10 how much you hated moist gutter. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being uh, it's a it's a moist gutter and 1 being <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's a it's, strange it, loop. How right. much did you like this episode? Oh, that you, I think everybody should land hopefully at 5. Yeah. Because you you should not be either either direction. You can't be too yeah. much of a strange yeah. loop and you can't be a moist gutter. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we're gonna start actually rating movies on the podcast, and those—that's our scale. That's is scale is it a strange loop or is it a moist gutter? <laughs> Which one is bad? I couldn't tell you. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I would say a moist gutter is overly cautious or throwing caution to the wind. Oh, okay. You yeah. know, because that's that's the story. So a moist okay. gutter is throwing caution to and the wind. A strange loop is like really pushing the envelope. Yeah. Oh no. Or, or strange strange loop is a little more contained, very self-referential. Oh, okay. okay. Very, you know, whatever. Oh, like, okay. Right. Loop. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know. So like, is moist gutter the good one? I I would it say on I would say it depends on it, depends this is an equality value. Right. You know, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Because a movie yeah. a movie could be a strange loop and, and it could be really too self-indulgent. Right. Right, right. But it could also be really self-contained and really well executed. Right. So I think you know, I think that there there are songs that throw caution in the wind and don't care about the listeners. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh-huh. but there are also songs that are almost too self-indulgent and 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 sort of go in and on of itself there's a so dynamic you, scale so so you don't want you don't want any of the extremes you're looking for that five the griff it's so great to have you on the show it's great to see you again so good to see you this oh is, man this is still like i can count on my both hands the number of in-person interactions i've had since like the whole thing you know took off but thank you for having happy me. to be one of them great to re-meet you great to see you happy and, to have yeah. you back at the house and looking forward to everything you're up to so thank, thank, thank you, you so much for being here thank you so much Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Lion. We would like to thank New Wave, The Truffleist, and Isotope for their support of Talking Lion. If you'd like to show your support, ask our guests your questions, talk to us on Discord, and get a shout out at the end of each episode, subscribe to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash talkinglion. Thank you for listening and see you next time.